follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Follow me, and I will give you in life more than you ever dreamed possible. I've heard that the following story is an urban legend, and yet I have heard it told for the truth. Who knows? But I will say that uh, if it is even remotely true, the following could have only occurred in California. As the story goes, every Saturday afternoon, Larry Walters, notice Larry, I didn't say Walter. <laughs> Larry Walters, who was a 30-something-year-old truck driver from Los Angeles, would sit in his backyard with uh, a tall, cool adult beverage, which I suspect may have had something to do with what follows. And there he would just relax, chill out, do absolutely nothing for a couple of hours. But as Larry sat there one Saturday afternoon, he got to thinking, you know, shouldn't I be doing more with my Saturday afternoons, just sitting out here in this long chair, chilling out, having a tall, cool one, and doing absolutely nothing else? So he decided he would try an experiment. He got the brilliant idea of tying some helium balloons to his lawn chair and let them levitate him, should we say, and see what he could see of his neighborhood. Okay, so far so good. But you see, Larry was not an aeronautical engineer. And he had no idea how many balloons it would take to pull him in his chair off the ground. So in the week that followed, he found some old weather balloons in a surplus store there in Los Angeles somewhere. And he bought 45 of them. The next Saturday afternoon, he goes out into his backyard with his chair, a bottle of helium, and said, weather balloons. He tied the balloons to his chair, uh, packed some sandwiches <clears throat> with, with the requisite cool, tall adult beverage, and started to fill the balloons with helium. Now, he did think to bring his son's BB gun along just in case he had too many balloons and they got too high too fast. He thought he could shoot one or two or three of them uh, and that way he could uh, return to uh, earth safely. As it turned out, that gun uh, got him in more trouble than just the balloons. He asked some of his neighbors to hold on to the balloons until he got himself squared away in his chair. 
And when he gave the word, they let go. And I'm told that those balloons and chair and Larry rocketed up somewhere in the vicinity of 11,000 feet, two miles (laughs) up in the air, right into the middle of one of the busiest airline landing patterns in the world at LAX. Well, there was a pilot of a DC-10 who was coming in on final approach, Dan, (laughs) to LAX, and he radios the tower. He said, folks, there's a guy out here at 11,000 feet in a lawn chair with helium balloons, and he has a gun, (laughs) which in his fear, Larry didn't have sense enough to shoot the balloons to let himself back down. Well, needless to say, planes were quickly rerouted. Homeland Security was notified. The United States Air Force scrambled some jets and rescue craft were sent up. Though how in the world they could have got him down, I don't know. But at the end of the story is he did get down in one piece, sort of, um, And then once he finally got home, after talking to all of the aviation and police and home, you know, and all these folks, finally got home. And when he got there, his front yard was packed, packed with the media, as you might expect. And one of the first questions that Larry was asked that afternoon after he got down, after his harrowing misadventure was why on earth did you do such a thing? And Larry's response was, well, you just can't sit there. I reserve comment, but not judgment. What Larry did dangerous. It was crazy. It was absolutely nuts. And he could, in fact, he did cause all kinds of problems for himself and others. However, I'm guessing that somewhere down deep in Larry's inner being, there was something that was telling him that there's more to life than just sitting around in your backyard with an adult beverage on Saturday afternoon. To that point, I guess, he had considered that his life was good enough. But there came that time for Larry that uh, good enough, good enough just wasn't good enough. And so to his credit, at least this much, he tried to do something about it, even if what he did was totally insane. Well, to tie that into our scripture lesson this morning, I think that Peter and Andrew, James and John just might have been able to identify with Mr. Larry. 
and that when Jesus came along the northwestern shores of the Sea of Galilee, uh, they may have felt many of the same things that Larry was feeling. These guys were good, honest, hardworking fishermen, but they weren't getting, in, getting anywhere in life or in business. You remember the stories? More than once they had fished all night, which is how they fish on the Sea of Galilee. They had fished all night and hadn't caught a thing. Every day was just like every other day. Life was difficult. It was a never-ending grind. They found themselves just going through the motions. They felt defeated and deflated, tired and hopeless, trapped in a vicious cycle from which they could see no way out. What they once thought was good enough was no longer good enough. I don't know about you, but I have had those feelings on more than a few occasions. And particularly in this past year. But then alone came Jesus. He invited them out of their ordinary, out of their routine. He wanted them to become fishers of men, fishers of people. In other words, disciples. In doing that, Jesus was inviting them beyond the ordinary, beyond the mundane, beyond the routine, beyond good enough. He offered them life, a life that was rich and abundant and fulfilling, a life that was as above uh, what they had been as people are, well, as people are above fish. You know, there was nothing unique or special about those first disciples. They were just ordinary, working folks struggling to make a living like most of us have done most of our lives. During the three years, perhaps, of their discipleship, they continually missed the point of what Jesus was trying to tell them, what he was trying to do. Their egos often got in the way. They all wanted to be number one, to be first. And all of them, in various different ways, were asking, yeah, boss, but what's in it for me? When the chips were down and Jesus needed him the most, all they were worried about was saving their worthless hides. And someone has suggested that their song at that point in time must have been, not Lord, we are able, but Lord, we are available. What have we got to lose?
We live in an age of mediocrity. We live in a time where good enough is often what's expected by others, by ourselves. People seem to be satisfied with jobs, with work performance, with home life and marriage that are just good enough. And this applies to our relationship with God as well. We come to church enough. We give enough of our time, our prayer, our talents, our financial resources. When good enough is considered good enough, why bother to do more? Why bother to be more, right? But I think down deep, like Larry and like the disciples, we all have this, this inner feeling that good enough really isn't good enough. I mean, we are made in God's image. And with God, good enough has never been good enough. I cite as an example only this beautiful world around us that we've talked about on a couple of occasions this morning. There is a sense in which creation is perfect. It's all that it was intended to be. At least it was till we started messing it up. Because God is perfect and we are created in God's image, then there is within each and every one of us a yearning, a restlessness to discover that level of excellence within us and within our world that we know is there. It's just buried or hidden beneath the good enough, the get by, the take it the easy way out, the don't sweat the small stuff. And I believe that that restlessness, that desire deep inside of, of us is God's spirit. Whether we realize it or recognize it or not, that feeling in our inner soul, our heart of hearts, as one theologian puts it sometimes, it, you know, it, it's calling us beyond the ordinary. It's calling us to the extraordinary. It's calling us beyond the same old, same old, beyond the good enough to those lives that God intended for us to have when God created us. Having said that, I've got to maybe quit, quit preaching and go to meddling. Who knows? But I find that many of God's people today, just to be honest, there's that element within me sometimes. Many of God's people are reluctant, even afraid 
to commit fully to God. We are afraid of what God might want from us. The opposite of what y'all were singing about a while ago. Something that we would be reluctant to give, something that might even be difficult for us to give. You know, I believe having said that, that God really wants to give us more than he asks us to give him. And that in our giving to God, in however many ways we do that, in our giving to God, we find those gifts that God has intended for us. Jesus called Peter and Andrew, James and John into discipleship. That's part of what being fishers of men, fishers of people means, but it's only a part. Jesus was also inviting them to become, to be more than what they were more even than they ever thought they could be. Come with me, he was saying. Come with me. And you'll find that there is life beyond good enough. Come with me, and you will find what St. Paul was to later call a more excellent way. Come, follow me, and I'll make you more than ordinary fishermen. Come with me, and you'll find that your lives have a dimension and a purpose that you never expected was possible. Come with me, and you will accomplish something significant. And they did. And they did. There weren't any lights flashing, no thunder booming, no trumpets blaring when Jesus called his disciples. Rather, in quiet conversation, he invited them to follow him. And I think that's how Jesus comes to us today as well. In moments of worship, in moments of prayer, scripture reading, meditation, beautiful music. We hear what Elijah experienced as that still, small voice inviting us, calling us beyond ourselves, beyond the ordinary, calling us to be as Peter and the rest, as far above the ordinary as human beings are from fish. Lord, we're available, particularly during this pandemic. What have we got to lose? Our spirits, in the words of the old hymn, our spirits are thine. Sometimes at least. Remold us, make us like the divine. Thy guiding radiance above us shall be a beacon to God 
to love and loyalty if we just let it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen.